Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these podcasts without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. And Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is a uh, longtime friend, but actually the first time we've ever met uh, face-to-face, Rob Poshkol. He's the assistant head coach at Creekview High School in Carrollton, Texas. Also has a pretty active presence on social media. He's the moderator for the oldcoach.com website and also coachhuey.com, which is where we first met, guys, probably about uh, 14 years ago. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, uh, we're excited. Go ahead. Finally, see you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Excited to have somebody uh, from the great state of Texas um, uh, share their experiences so far. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, uh, your involvement in sports, of course, and, and how that uh, love of sport led to uh, a career in uh, athletics. Okay. Uh, you know, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I, I played high school football in Memorial High School there. And we played. We ran the split back beer, and I was the right tackle. And I, and I remember when I start, first got started trying to get into coaching, uh, our rival team's defensive coordinator just got our head, my head coaching job at my high school that I that I played at. So I went to my high school and asked him, "Hey, can I get a job?" Da da da. And he, he immediately saw me and recognized me because I know you. You're that kid from that 19 whatever team. They were in 90% of their plays behind you. I was like, well, I, I thought I was okay. <laughs> you know, I tried hard. <laughs> you know, I got a I got a scholarship to SMU. I was on the first team back from the death penalty. Uh, that was an experience. Um, I played there in, in the run and shoot under Forrest Gregg, and that was a uh, uh, that was an experience. <laughs> You know, playing for Forrest Gregg, I learned what the meaning of green bays are. We used to just call them up-downs. He calls them green bays. Mm-hmm. We started the uh, the first practice with like, you know, thir- I think it was 30, 30-something scholarship kids and like 130 just walk-on guys. And I'll never forget, we, we had us all spread out. We're on the field. And he just walks out in the middle of the field, and just commanding presence. I mean, Forrest Gregg, man. 
it was like just Lombardi's lineage kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and he walks out in the field, he just, he just goes down. And I'm, I'm, you know, kind of probably 30 yards away from him. And I'm like, and I see some of the kids hit the deck. So I hit the deck. Uh, I get up. And we all get up. And after about six or seven of those, I'm like, we're doing up downs. Why are we doing up downs? We didn't even do anything wrong. Did, did I do something wrong? I'm like, what did I do? What did we do? And, we, and I looked at the bank clock. There was a bank clock like right over across the street there at SMU. And we did that for 30 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then we went through our practice. And then we did that again this afternoon. Well, by the end of that, that was, that was, a, that was you know, an experience that, that taught me a lot. You know, the toughness and the things you got to get through to how bad do you want to keep doing this, you know? And he was doing it to weed out the guys that didn't, didn't want to be there. So it was great. Um, I did that. After college, you know, I, I had knee surgery real bad. So I didn't, you know, there wasn't any NFL for me. Um, and I probably wasn't good enough anyway. But uh, after college, I went to law school. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. But it only took me two years to find out that uh, I don't like the lawyers. <laughs> and I didn't like what they're asking me to do and what... And, you know, the, the integrity things that, that it was hitting on me that I didn't like what, you know, what I was going to be asked to do. You know, I don't want to help this guy get, get off of, you know, he's guilty. <laughs> you know, I didn't like that stuff. So I sat around and I, I just said, I'm done with law school. And I started sitting around thinking, what the heck am I going to do? I have a history degree from SMU. What the heck can I do with that? I, you know, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And then I was like, well, I don't like lawyers because when they screw up, they're, they're adults and they're liars, they're liars and they're cheats. And I don't like those people. I go, well, who, do I, who can I accept screwing up? I can accept young people screwing up because when they do this, because they're ignorant. They just don't know any better. I can help them with that. Now I started, okay, young people. It's a teacher. And I was like, well, who? I don't like teachers. Yeah. In general, I didn't like, you know, I like some of my English, my old lady English teachers and maybe a couple, but some of the other teachers I just, I wasn't really into. But I was like, who do I like is to work with in the professional side of things? I go, I always like coaches. My coaches are always cool to me. And here I am. <laughs> 26, 27 years later, I've been coaching that long. And, and that's my story, I guess. Well. I appreciate you sharing. I knew uh, little pieces of that, but, uh, you know, it's great to fill in some of the gaps. Let's go and follow that thread. You know, you said you uh, enjoyed your coaches. Um, In our profession, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentoring. So who were some of your mentors uh, growing up, you know, teachers or coaches, uh, family members, uh, and maybe people that you've worked with or worked for? Uh, I always like to use the phrase, uh, I still hear those voices in my head when I'm talking to, you know, my kids or my coaches. So whose voices do you still hear? Uh, You know, besides my parents who who raised me, you know, I would think the right way and, you know, taught me some values and things. You know, they didn't really teach me some of the things that football taught me. And uh, my offensive line coach in high school, his name was Will Taylor. He was he was probably 70 then, and he was crusty. He, he was a crusty guy. 
I don't want to say what he called me all the time or what he called my my uh, center. He called us things that were probably not appropriate today, but uh, we knew he loved us, and he wanted us to to knock people on their butts. You know, we're old line guys. You know, and uh, I'll never forget. <laughs> you know, we had a we had a oil field pipe it was about that thick made and then we made he had a chute made out of it for alignment and it was about you know 15 yards wide and about six yards deep so we're running through it you know we could get like probably four or five kids going through and i would always bang my head helmet on the top of it on the bottom of it <laughs> coming out and then as soon as i got out i would pop up and he'd get so mad at me he actually brought an axe handle to practice and it started whacking me in the back of the shoulder pads to make me not pop up as soon as I got out of the thing because we wanted to go chop those linebackers down and split back here and um, uh, that taught me now you can't do that today obviously uh, but just just knowing that that guy wanted me to do so something bad that he's gonna when he, he wanted me to have success so much that he's going to just force me to do it. Well, however he could, because screaming and yelling at me wasn't doing it. So, you know, now, nowadays, I just do it with my hand. <laughs> you know? Better probably live than an axe handle. Uh, so that was a mentor growing up. As, as a coach, I've had uh, several great head coaches to work for. I think uh, the one that I appreciate the most now is my head coach now is Jay Klein, the head coach of Creekview High School. And uh, he's not really a mentor so much. It's more of, I just respect the integrity and the way he handles uh, playing time, dealing with parents and, you know, not putting up with, you know, if a kid does something wrong, you're not playing. And that's, that's it. There's no, ifs, ands, or buts about it. Oh, this kid's really talented. We need him. He's not He's not going to give in his integrity to that. And, and that's something I really appreciate. It, it's hurt us a couple of times, but, you know, in, in the short term, but in the long term, it's built our program to where, you know, where our kids are going to do stuff right and they're going to fight their tails off every night. And I, I love it. So he's, yeah. my, he's my main one now. Yeah. I just think it's always so cool to hear about those individuals that uh, have had an impact and still impact, you know, our lives and our careers. Uh, you mentioned the word program and uh, you know, I'm a big program guy, whether it's, you know, the team or the entire athletic department or the school. Um, obviously, you know, from the outside world uh, and I think maybe sometimes, uh, you know, we as coaches, you know, we, we measure our success by what happens on the field, the wins and the losses. And certainly we don't want to diminish the importance of striving to win. Uh, but it's not the only way we measure success. You know, we talk about the relationships with kids and, and you know, with um, the students and parents. So here's my question. Outside of the wins and the losses, what is something that you guys do at Creekview, maybe from an organizational standpoint, but what's something that you feel that you guys do better than anybody else that you really knock it out of the park in this particular area of, of coaching or organization? Um, the first thing I think is, is, is coach client hires great people. You know, they have to have great people to, to, to do that. 
and the, you know sometimes one slips through the cracks and we, and we get one that you know the, on staff that's not necessarily meets our standards they don't stay long <laughs> so but we've we've had the same core group of guys here for the last six seven years and and it's uh you know we've we've had people that are aspiring head coaches and stuff but you know i'm i'm kind of past that myself a little yeah, you because know, I'm kind of content and happy with what I'm doing. I really enjoy it. I, mean, I don't really want the headaches of some of the other things that we were going to talk about in a bit. <laughs> but I, you know, I get those sent to me anyway. But I think first starts hiring the right people, people, the, the, and being able to figure out that checking references, and not just calling somebody that you don't know at their work is. Find someone that's actually coached against them or is coached with them that you know. And the bigger your network is, the better. And that's that's kind of one of the things that I, I help out with because I have a fairly big network, you know, with my followers and stuff. So if I if I send out, hey, does anyone know this guy? I usually get a response, and I, then I can find out what's the deal with him. What's the, you know, is, is there a character problem? Is there any kind of on time? How do they treat the kids? You know, that kind of stuff. I think we do a good job of uh, making, making the, feel like a family. And we don't just put the slogan on the family on our shirt and that kind of stuff. It, it's the kids actually feel like it. And it, it was really exhi uh, exhibited last season. We got couches and little chairs and little video game things and stuck them in the locker room and it was awesome. And the kids would hang out. We'd have to sit there and we'd have to run them out or we'd, we'd stay there till 10. You know, we'd get done at practice at like seven. And, and finally it's like, guys, we got to go home. We got, you know, get the heck out of here. Cause they would stay there till they would stay there all night just to hang out with their buddies and stuff. And that was, that was a good thing to see this year with the COVID stuff. That's a little, I can't really do that. So, it's it's been awkward, but uh, we still have it. It's just something we're fighting through. So I think we do that well. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about COVID since you brought it up. Um, obviously, it's had an impact on schools, uh, both academically and athletically across the country. And we've seen a variety of responses to it. Some states, it's been business as usual. Uh, other states have canceled seasons or moved seasons around uh, baseball in the fall and uh, football in the spring. Um, here in Florida, uh, we ended up delaying the start of fall sports for a month. Uh, and now, you know, you know, many schools, uh, for example, our school, you know, we just played our uh, fourth football game last night. Uh, but we still have schools down in the Miami-Dade area that are just now, and it's October 1st here, October 4th, I guess, uh, just now getting back on campus. And so it's been a, a, a variety of responses. So my question, Rob, is what's happening in Texas and specifically what's happening with your school right now with regard to return to school as well as return to play? Yeah, well, Texas is a mixed bag as well. It kind of sounds like Florida at some points. In the rural, the rural areas, uh, they didn't have judges that were uh, 
we have judges, county judges that, that kind of like the, the king that says this is how it's going to be. And the rural ones said, no big deal. The, the urban ones, for whatever reason we want to say, the urban ones locked everything down. And the schools, you could tell it was like a big bouncing act. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. We never got any information. Like, because the administration never knew what the what was going to be allowed. So, you know, it was just a waiting game and waiting game and waiting game. And we finally got to allow strength conditioning in the summer. You know, once the spring wore off and the, the that spring academic time left off, so we lost our spring ball, which we normally get. And um, we did summer strength conditioning. We had an hour. Of summer strength conditioning, we had an hour of football skills. So that was good for us. It was very strange because we had to be six feet apart and that was odd. And, you know, we had to do drills that were where they couldn't get anywhere close to each other. I'm like, it's still football. What do we, you know, how do we do this? And that was, that was hard. That was hard to figure out because we're a flex bone team. I'm like, how am I supposed to do quarterback and fullback mesh when they have to be six feet apart? <laughs> So, you know, we just worked on our first steps in our stance and, there, you know, we worked on the fundamental stuff that, that I could do if it was tough. Um, the, uh, we just played our first game Friday night. So that was October uh, 3rd and, and that was tough. The other schools have already played two or three. The smaller schools in the rural areas have already played two or three already. Um, there's multiple schools that have been getting hit with, uh, you know, quarantine situations and they get, they're out two weeks. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, we, we've been fighting like crazy. We have, we have the kids fill out QR codes on their phone every day. You know, they were asking the questions about, do you have any of these symptoms and da da da. Well, they fill that. I have to fill it. I have to fill it out probably three times a day. One, they enter the school. So the kids, one for athletic period, and then one to go out to practice. Mm. So, I mean, we, we have it in total CYA mode about, like, we're, we're going to keep track of everything. And then we have uh, multiple thermometer things for checking the head. And um, we harp on them all about it all the time. Every time one of the local schools that they know about gets hit with it, like one, one of our coaches last year went and left to another school, and that school just got popped. I think two hours before the game Friday night and they said nope so they couldn't play that game they can't play the next one and they can't even come to practice for two weeks which means you're probably gonna lose that third game when you come back because you haven't been practicing at all so it's a it's a big weight over our heads right now oh, yeah. like, hmm. you know if this stuff can come down the other thing that's affected, I think, is I, was, I told you earlier, is I have a receiver coach who's a great guy. He's, he's been coaching the flex bone for 30-something years. His name is George Reby. I love him. He's, he's another one of my mentors. He's, he's been teaching me this offense like crazy, and I, I wouldn't want to do anything else anymore. But uh, he calls it corona fog. And, it, and last spring, when the, when the – when the school districts and the administrators and were running around kind of what, how do we do this? You know, ours, we hadn't really been doing online stuff very much. 
we've been doing some Google Classroom just a little bit. You know, some teachers were figuring it out, but it wasn't a mandated thing from our district necessarily. So when the, the administration says, okay, we were in spring break, bam. And then they go, okay, don't come back Monday. And then it was, don't come back Monday again for the next five months. <laughs> okay, well, the whole time there was like, okay, here's a little email. Now, teachers, start doing Zoom meetings with your kids. And we had, you know, Coach Reby's old guy. He didn't know how to do that stuff. I had to go like over to his house and show him, you know, so it's, it, but the problem became is the kids, the, 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 the administration did not want the kids to fail because of teachers didn't know how to do that stuff and the kids didn't know how to do it. And the kids don't have the technology to do it. You know, we have, we have some, um, you know, poverty level kids that probably can't afford to buy these little computers and things. And, and it was just a nightmare because how, how do you, how does the administration deal with that stuff? So they were trying to do right by the kids, but I think it ended up doing wrong by the kids because they didn't have to turn anything in. There was no or else of failure for them and they're paying for it now because now that we know how to do this and we're, we're understanding how to zoom and we do webex and all these virtual things is the kids the kids are struggling because they don't have the skill set to, to be organized enough with this thing in front of them where they're not going to start playing video games or something they're going to take the easy way if someone's not standing there going you do this and it's been tough their listening skills have been tough. Once we got back into school, the listening skills have gotten worse, I think, because we're sitting behind desks with little shields around them, and there's only six kids in this classroom, and the other 25 are in on virtual, and they all have their little camera off. So it's just an odd thing. And then all you see is the kids, once they've done their work, they're just sitting there on their phone, just, and they're not talking to each other. They may be texting each other, but they're not talking to each other. They're, they're not listening. So, you know, it's hit me in practice this year. I blow the whistle. I have to scream because they're all spread out just for them to hear me. And, you know, the other night we lost our first game because I had, I had seven times, seven different times, a communication thing where quarterback didn't look at the whole signal from the sideline. Quarterback didn't look at the whole signal from the sideline. Quarterback didn't look at the signal from the whole sideline. Center heard other snap count. Right guard heard 23 as opposed to 43 on the play call. Uh, you know, there's two more, you know, a couple more. It's stuff like that. And it's just the focus and the listening skills are just the social interaction of the listening is so messed up right now. It's just difficult and we're struggling just trying to find ways to hello, kid, listen, focus. That's, that's the thing that's really hitting me and hurting, you know, us as a team right now. So COVID has all kinds of effects. The, the good, the couple of good things is, is we've learned how to do some, some of these things. Like this morning I had a meeting, Usually we'd, we'd have a, we'd stay till Saturday and then come back Sunday and work again. Well, now we just do it on this. And that makes it a lot easier, you know, more efficient. We don't have to drive all the way up to school and all that stuff. Uh, we, when we had, when we came back to school, 
we had three weeks of virtual and we have we have athletic period and it was awesome because it was like teaching time one-on-one for three whole weeks where we can show everything to them. Do, do, do you understand? Yes. This is how we run outside here. This is inside here. All the stuff we do and their knowledge was way better than we ever had at the start. So we got everything installed rapidly once we actually got to do football. It was, that was amazing. It's been just a whirlwind of, adjusting every day because new protocols get thrown at us every day. Yeah. um, It's interesting to hear, you know, those similar responses we've heard from other coaches and other ADs. So, I mean, it's everywhere. It's not certainly not unique to you guys, but uh, again, you know what the answer is. It's just, you know, continue to focus on those quality reps in practice, continue to encourage them, uh, you know, coach them up. So I'm pretty confident you guys are going to, uh, get things on track as the season unfolds. Hey, I, we came up with a good idea yesterday. You might, this is, this is a good one. Okay. Okay. Is, you know, the, you know, the butcher paper and stuff that they maybe have like in the teacher's lounge or something that's on right. these big rolls. Uh, we were looking at our board where we had our formations and we had, these are the plays we want to run out of these formations against this defense, that kind of stuff. And I was looking at it. I was like, how can we get the kids to do this where they're teaching each other? where they don't have to keep drawing the defense and the, the template of the offense. And I was like, because if we just draw it up there and they start drawing, drawing the plays, trying to draw the plays, they're going to mess it up. And when they have to, they can't replicate it. I need a template that's on the wall. Draw on the butcher paper, laminate the butcher paper, stick it up on the wall. And we tried it and the kids were just, Oh, ah, mm. no, no, you're wrong. It's this, it's this. They start arguing with each other and teaching each other. And, and then the consensus comes in and says, no, it's a veer step. You know, it's a veer's your role. No, it's this. And, and it was, a, it's cool. The, yeah. the problem with it is, is we can't let them sit there too long in the locker rooms. Every time we're in the locker room, our, our whole goal is to get them out of the locker room yeah. now with the COVID stuff. So that's an extra little thing to maybe think of yesterday. Sorry. No, I mean, that, that's a great use of uh, technology, too. Uh, you know, that, uh, I was a big uh, laminator fan, uh, you know, back when I was coaching. Good job. Um, let's go and uh, shift gears just a little bit. Um, you know, we always ask our, uh, our athletic directors uh, a, a question. We say, you know, what's your favorite part of the job? And, of course, they always answer, you know, it's the kids, you know, uh, being with the kids, as they should, okay, uh, if you're not uh, – into helping kids get better, you shouldn't be in coaching. But outside of that, outside of the relationships uh, that you build with the kids, what are some of your favorite aspects about being the assistant head football coach at Creekview High School? You know, what uh, gets you excited about coming to work each day? Well, as as an OC, it's the intellectual exercise of the chess match. That that's the, that's my thing that that's always kept me into if we're if we're not talking about the kids that's that's my main thing um now yeah i can i can't imagine anyone said oh i love doing the paperwork you know (laughs) but you know nobody likes doing the paperwork nobody likes doing the the we have dec committees district executive committees where to go beat them and see if people are eligible or not and fill out forms to 
that get shuffled from here to there and everywhere. Uh, one of the things about going all this virtual stuff is it does make it a little easier now, for one. And two, like having to do it where we're all separated, where everyone's starting to learn how to use Google Drive better. And now we can get things back and forth without having the, you know, shared drives and stuff like that, where we don't have a thousand emails with a thousand different copies of Excel sheets like we did 15 years ago. So that's been good. The thing I enjoy about my role is as the assistant head coach and as the OC is besides the intellectual exercise of the, of the chess match is uh, getting it organized, allowing the process to run smoothly. So not, you know, practice, making sure that we are all eligible. <laughs> you know, the grade checks and things and, you know, making sure my offensive coaches are checking their kids' grades and and we're on that because we, we have no pass, no play. And it's, you know, if we lose and we don't have enough, we're, we're done. The season's over. Um, you know, just, just the organization of things that, that my head coach gives me, you know, he, he's a big delegator because he, sometimes the computer is, is his enemy. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I know how to organize that stuff pretty well. Um, it's just making the organization run smooth. That, that's, that's, and when it does, it feels right. And, and there's no chaos and friction and, you know, coaches getting mad at each other because this didn't happen or that didn't happen. And it, being able to do that with all the paperwork stuff, that's at least rewarding. Doing the paperwork stuff stinks, but you're making it to where it works right. That's that's the rewarding part of it to me. Yeah, not surprised at all. Uh, uh, and again, for our listeners, you know, Rob and I have uh, uh, known each other for uh, you know, gosh, about I'm going to say probably 14, 15 years at least. Uh, mm -hmm. But it was all through. Uh, getting to know him on uh, the various, you know, websites, you know, Coach Huey and, and trading emails and trading coaching ideas. And then, you know, there were a few phone calls. Um, th there was a time, uh, you know, it seems like 100 years ago, I was uh, in the running for a couple of head football jobs at some small colleges. And I'd already, you know, reached out to Rob, hey, if I get this job, you know, would you uh, come with me as an OC? And so, uh, it's been very, very cool to be able to, you know, visit with him face to face, even though, you know, he's currently in Texas and I'm in Florida, but, uh, <laughs> um, Rob, we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. And, uh, we're going to tweak it a little bit just for you. Um, um, you know, you are an assistant head football coach. Obviously you, uh, you know, work at a high level, you know, helping to run a program um, so you can look at this as, um, maybe, uh, a new, uh, head football coach, or you can look at it from the athletic director perspective. Um, what three things would you put in the toolbox of either a brand new AD or a brand new head coach, you know, from your perspective, what three things would you want them to know if this was going to be your new AD or maybe if this was going to be your new head coach, you know, how would you help them? What's going to go in Rob's toolbox? Well, it's kind of a, a strange thing because um, in Texas, most, most 
head coaches are at least the campus coordinator or they are the athletic director. Mm-hmm. So th- there's very few head football coaches in Texas that are not the athletic director or the campus coordinator. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would say is, is if you don't have the power to hire your people all the way up and down, all the way up into the junior highs and all the way up into the high schools, if you don't have the power to hire your people, don't take the job. You know, and I've been, I've been offered head coaching jobs before where I didn't have the ability to hire the people that I wanted at certain levels or I had to take this guy or that guy because they're from the town. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm not going to have that rule placed over top of me because what if that guy's no good? Right. You know, if I do, if I get a chance to meet the guy and I can talk to him and make sure check his references with my network and stuff. Okay. You know, if he's good, that's fine. I'll keep him. But when they, when, you know, when I was flat out told you have to do this and you can't do that, uh-uh, I, I'm not doing it. And um, you know, right now I'm working for a guy that, that does not have to put up with that. So it's a good, it's a good situation for the most part with that. So it, it's nice. Um, the, the next thing I would say is the most important thing to have is to, is to set where, make sure you understand where where your integrity is. It, it, have true understanding of this is what I will accept and this is what I will not accept. And it, it maybe I, I don't know if that's a tool in a toolbox, but that's a that's an absolutely important, that's an important thing that that you have to keep in mind. And, you know, back when I was a lawyer, the integrity thing hit me bad. And I was like, I don't like this. I ain't doing it. I, can't, I couldn't do it. I'm not, I'm not accepting that. It's not happening. This is that's not how I was raised. It's not how I'm going to do things. And um, I think, you know, if if you understand what you will accept and what you will not accept, that, that sets the bar of how my program is going to be. You know how the how all of the athletics is going to be if you're the AD. You know it's like no the basketball girls basketball coach. This is not we're not doing that. That's not going to happen. You're not going to talk to parents like this. We're not going to talk to parents after a loss and when they're all hot and bothered. You you go home. I will meet you in the morning. You know what will you accept? What will you not accept? You have to think about all the scenarios. You know because I'll give you I'll give you one. Uh, when I was working in Caldwell, Texas, I got followed home one night. I was the late film guy. This is when we had to do videotape, you know. I had to make videotapes of the thing and then drive off the next morning to the town 30 miles away to trade them. And uh, one of my O-line kids, his dad followed me home. I didn't know. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. So I'm leaving the school, driving, and I see these lights following me. There's no one else on the road. I pull all the way up into my driveway and this thing pulls all the way up into my driveway. I'm running into the house to get my gun because I don't know who it is. And he, he catches me and he's all hot and mad and he wants to show me this videotape. I'm like, okay, look, I'll take the tape, but I'm not talking to you tonight because, you know, we lost and you're mad and whatever. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> I got the videotape and we, we popped it in the, in, the, in the thing the next morning. And it was zoomed in on his boy so bad you couldn't even see the steps. It was shaky, and the funny thing was he left his uh, he left his microphone. On. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and you could hear all his commentary. It was like, oh gosh, that's so funny. 
but understanding those those situations that can come up and knowing where you, where you where's your integrity level and then what will you allow and you know i work for a guy right now that it doesn't matter how talented you are th this is the bar you're not if you, if you do this you're not playing if you do that you're not playing if you if you don't come to practice one day and it's unexcused you're not playing and then the kids know that and they've, they've bought into the idea that makes it kind of a family thing, a program thing like we talked about. Uh, a third thing, oh, you know, being able to recognize when there is a problem. And I, I don't know how you uh, learn that. Maybe it's a feel thing, maybe it's an experience thing. Uh, maybe it's a listening to your mentors and recognizing that, how do I recognize a problem? And then if you can recognize it, you can come up with an answer. You know, like I'll I give you an example. A, a, a school in the past, I recognized a problem and I, I brought it to the athletic directors. There's this problem with the boys' soccer team. I'm out at, I'm out at track doing my throw discus and stuff and I see them every day and I, and I had talked to their co I talked to the coach of the boys team first myself and he didn't address it and I, I said ad uh, this is going on over there and but I recognize there's a problem and you have to have people that are willing to to speak up not snitch because I didn't snitch I went and told the guy hey that's a problem Right. You know, whatever they're doing, they're doing something stupid. And uh, first, I recognize it. I went and addressed it with the coach. I come back the next day. This thing's still going on. Okay, I got to let somebody know. Somebody with the power to make that stop because that's not good for the program. It's not good for the whole school. It's not good for. It's not good for those kids. It's not good for the coach. The coach probably needs to either figure that out, get told to figure that out, or go. <laughs> So recognizing those things is a big thing is a, and then being able to fix it. So I would say those things. No, I agree hundred percent. I'm glad you, you shared that. Uh, you know, it's your team is, is your family, but you're part of that bigger family of the athletic department and, and the school, you know, you're not out there, you know, on an Island. So as you said, you know, having good people around you to, um, you know, protect the integrity of that program is just huge. So uh, wise words from a master coach. Okay. Rob, <laughs> once again, thanks so much for, uh, being on the podcast, uh, continued success this year. Uh, I have no doubt you guys are going to be rolling here in a, in a few more weeks. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank okay. you. To our listeners, uh, you can follow, um, Rob on, uh, the old as well as, uh, coach Huey, Dot com. Uh, if you've never been on those websites, you are as a coach uh, and as an AD, you are missing a lot. So uh, I can't recommend those highly enough. Uh, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD. Don't forget the Zoom recording of this interview is available on the Educational AD YouTube channel. That's F-I-Triple-A, Educate, Ath, B-I-R. Watch the interview in its entirety on YouTube. Thanks again.